Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com. Hello, and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we're looking at the situation in Venezuela, where the government of President Nicolas Maduro is under unprecedented domestic and international pressure. Joining me in the studio to discuss all this is our Latin America specialist, Jonathan Wheatley, and on the line from the region, our Andean correspondent, Gideon Long. Jonathan, this immediate crisis seems to have been provoked by the US government's decision to say that they recognise somebody else, Juan Guaido, as the legitimate leader of Venezuela. Is that correct? And what's built up to it? Well, yes, absolutely. That's the immediate cause of what's happened in the past few days. But this has been a very, very long crisis in the making. People have foreseen the end of the regime of President Nicolas Maduro for at least two years, if not more now. And what's happened is that basically through mismanagement and incompetence, oil production has slumped. The government has nationalised everything it possibly can, including the oil industry, but all other surviving sectors of domestic industry in Venezuela. The country has become dependent for pretty much everything on imports. The availability of dollars to pay for those imports has slumped along with oil production. I mean, oil production was about three and a half million barrels a day when this government started under Hugo Chavez at the end of the 90s. It's now just over one million barrels a day, but heading south of that. So they've lost more than a third of their oil output, their dollars evaporated, massive shortages of foods, medicines, social unrest, and an ongoing socio-economic disaster. And why has the US made its move now? And how much has it been able to rally the rest of the world behind its view? Or is there, as I sense a kind of division in the international community with now the Russians, the Iranians and others coming in behind Maduro? Well, I think the reasons for that are complex. I mean, the immediate spur, as you said at the top, is that Guaido has emerged. He became the head of the National Assembly only this month. He has emerged as a coalescing figure in the often very divided and fractious opposition. So the chances have risen for something to happen. There's all kinds of speculation we could get into about why the US is doing it now. I saw one comment from a respected EM analyst this morning saying that this is really President Trump's chance to engage in a speculative foreign venture. Things haven't gone very well in the Middle East. Things are not going very well at home with the shutdown and Pelosi and his ratings falling and the Mueller inquiry getting up to steam. So maybe a successful venture in his own backyard in Venezuela would do his poll ratings some good. But is it likely to be successful if there's so much pushback from other countries? Well, there you are. You've got a group of countries lined up with him. I mean, the UK almost, the Bank of England has frozen $1.2 billion worth of Venezuelan gold. And the UK and other European countries have said that they will support the opposition if free elections are not held soon. Brazil, Colombia, several other smaller Latin American countries have got on board with the US. But at the same time, Mexico hasn't. Other big Latin American countries also haven't. Russia and China certainly haven't. So you've got a standoff. And the question is, how much support would the US have? How willing is it? It seems to be preparing the ground for something to happen quickly. John Bolton was seen carrying his notes saying 5,000 troops in Colombia yesterday. 
This has got people thinking something could be happening very soon. Some people think it's unlikely. My own view is that the thing that stands most against that is that even for the opposition, a government installed in Caracas by the US would have a very tough time establishing itself as legitimate. So there would be a lot of pushback against that. But were the US to be able to get engaged, I think there's a certain amount of momentum behind them. Gideon, in the region, what's happening domestically? Because the Maduro government... You know, we've had the chaos that it's presiding over outlined for us. There is a powerful opposition. Is there domestic unrest? In Venezuela itself, there has been some domestic unrest. But rather, as Jonathan was saying, this is nothing new. It's been ongoing for the last couple of years. But in recent weeks, there's been some unrest. On the day that Juan Guaido proclaimed himself president, there was a big street protest And there was some unrest during the whole of that week. There were around 40 people killed in the protest and up to a thousand detained. But this is an echo of what happened in 2017 when Venezuelans took to the streets to protest against Nicolas Maduro's constituent assembly. It's an echo of what happened in 2014 as well when Leopoldo López, one of the main opposition leaders in Venezuela, was leading protests against the Maduro regime. So in that sense, it's nothing new. I think in terms of unrest on the streets, what is new is that people have been protesting over the last six months to a year or so, not so much about political issues, but just about access to water, access to electricity, access to food. The economic situation has become so bad in Venezuela that those are the main priorities of people rather than getting out onto the streets and protesting politically. And one final thought on that, I think what happens on the street is really going to be determined over the next few days. There's a big protest scheduled for today in Caracas and in other cities around the country, and then another big protest scheduled for Saturday. How important within all this is the position of the Venezuelan army? It's absolutely crucial. And I think the most worrying thing for the Venezuelan opposition and for Juan Guaido up until now is that the army haven't really come on board. They haven't deserted Maduro in any significant numbers. If you look at what's happened since January 23rd, the day he proclaimed himself president, the next day, Vladimir Padrino, the defense minister, who's a general, came out and backed Maduro. So did all of the major generals across different divisions around the country. There is clearly unrest and discontent among the rank and file, and we have seen a few key defections, most notably the defection of Venezuela's top military envoy to Washington. But it's much easier to defect if you're already sitting in Washington or in Miami than if you're in a barracks in Venezuela or if you're in Caracas. And actually, so far, we have not seen big cracks in the military and significant defections. And I think that might be something which is worrying the Venezuelan opposition right now. And Jonathan, I mean, I guess who controls the guns is crucial. The other thing is who controls the money. Is there any chance that the opposition can maybe get control of the National Oil Company or something like that, or parlous state as it's in nonetheless? Well, to a certain extent, they already have. I mean, the US sanctions that we saw this week basically take away the oil company from the government. The sanctions apply to doing any business with PDVSA. Pedevisa owns Sitco, which has two big refineries as well as gas stations in the United States. And effectively, as of Monday, although existing contracts will be respected and any shipments that have already been signed for will be delivered and paid for, as of now, Venezuela is no longer able to sell any oil to the United States and more than half of its oil is sold to the United States. And OK, it can divert that oil elsewhere, but... 
The fact is Venezuelan crude is very heavy. Sitco's refineries and others in the US are designed to deal with it. It won't be easy to sell it elsewhere. Even for a lot of their exports, they have to buy very light crude from the US to mix with their heavy so that it can be refined in places like India and China that are other big customers. So really, the money is starting to run out. Even without the US sanctions, people were saying that oil production could go easily down another 30 or 40% this year. So you're down to you know a very low level, 600,000 barrels a day or something. If they're not able to sell any oil to the US, then they're starting to run out of money. And the US has recognized the National Assembly as the legitimate government. So any payments that they do make for Venezuelan oil will go into accounts controlled by them and not by the Maduro administration. So... Really, although we've said many times before that the end game is in sight, it feels as though something quite dramatic has happened now and it's going to be very, very tough for them to cling on with dwindling revenues. That said, they're getting about a third of the revenue now that they were a few years ago from oil and they're still clinging on to power. When revenue started to fall a couple of years ago, people thought they couldn't survive without the oil revenues. They have done. They're digging in their heels. As Gideon said, it's very difficult for the army to change sides. There's spy networks inside the army that keep a very close eye on people. So it will be tough, but it does feel as if things are moving. And on the question of international support, although Russia is likely to be against any US move, there have been reports of conversations and comments made by Russian ministers that might suggest that Putin is up for a deal with Trump, whereby Russia would stay out of Trump's backyard if the US stays out of Putin's backyard. That's the kind of deal you can imagine being done. Sure, spheres uh, of influence, the class- is, classic thing. This is all speculation, and Venezuela has defied all futurology for some years, so you just don't know. But you can see things looking as if they might move. Obviously, Gideon, that's all in the realm of high politics. But meanwhile, on the ground, one slightly fierce for the Venezuelan people. You've already got a refugee crisis. If the oil industry brings in even less revenue, things could get really bad, couldn't they? Absolutely. If Venezuela is no longer exporting oil to the US and reaping money from the sale of that oil to the US, and let's just bear in mind that really those sales of oil to the United States It's the only sale which generates revenue because the rest of their oil goes to Cuba, it goes to China and it goes to Russia and is mostly used to pay off debt. So it doesn't actually earn them any money. So if Venezuela is no longer exporting oil to the United States, it loses a huge amount of money. And I think that would have a massive effect on the Venezuelan population itself, not just on the military and on the Maduro regime. I think we would see a bigger increase in the number of people leaving the country and coming to places like Colombia. And there's a real sense of fear and unease in places like Colombia, where I'm speaking to you from now, or in Peru as well, which has taken in around 600,000 refugees, that they could just be swamped by a massive refugee crisis, which they've never had to deal with before, and which they're ill-equipped to deal with. So yes, I think it could have devastating effects, not only for the population in Venezuela, but also for populations across Latin America. Jonathan, let's end then with that regional aspect, because it's quite striking that Latin America is once again very ideologically divided, isn't it? You've got a populist right-winger in charge in Brazil, a populist left-winger in charge of Mexico. Do you think Venezuela could become, in a way, a sort of division right across the continent? How to deal with this? Venezuela has been a division across the continent for quite a long time, and really governments in Latin America have lined up for and against Venezuela. And 
you know, it's a characteristic of the left wing in Latin America that being left wing at the top of the list of things that define you is being anti-American. And that means being pro-Venezuelan. And even with really the humanitarian disaster that has unfolded over the past few years, but has become really acute recently, when the Workers' Party in Brazil lost the presidential election in October last year and the right-wing Jair Bolsonaro took over. One of the issues was, do you or do you not support Venezuela? And the PT, the Workers' Party, seemed to be unable to distance itself. And the PT's president, Glycy Hoffman, went to Maduro's inauguration as the re-elected president of Venezuela, completely blind and deaf to all the signs from the rest of the region. So it has been very, very polarising. And unfortunately, at the moment, Latin America continues to be split for and against. It's very noticeable that López Obrador, the new president of Mexico, has not come out as a critic of Maduro, despite all the humanitarian suffering. Okay, well, with that, we'll leave it there for now. But obviously, this is a story that's going to develop a lot in the coming weeks. So for now, thank you very much indeed to Jonathan Wheatley here in the studio, to Gideon Long in Colombia. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.